Hey, welcome back to the pod crashed. This week, we're telling the story of Aeroflot Flight 593. Thanks for listening. Mariah. How are you? I'm good. Where are you? I am in Buffalo, New York. Where are you? I'm in Medina, New York, which is like <laughs> Buffalo, but much less. Yes. Very- much still smaller. the exact same amount away from each other time yeah <laughs> at least not miles for sure but time at least right as the crow flies we are quite close to one <laughs> we are farther away yes but if you have to get there by a car it's exactly the same somehow yes. <laughs> it's just like i don't know i don't know how it always happens but no idea uh, the frozen north mm-hmm. um yes yeah, so uh, we are up here for Thanksgiving and visiting our respective families. Thank you so much, everybody who um, contributed to my cousin's game thing, Kickstarter. That's what it's called, yeah. the Kickstarter. <laughs> yes, it was like way funded, like 230% funded or something. So the game uh, is A, definitely getting printed. B, wow. a more like intense version of the game is actually ultimately getting printed. There Because they like met all these funding goals, there's like additional characters and stuff. So it's a more complex version. Wow. Um, if you contributed that to that, be sure to send us a screenshot of your contribution or that you posted it or anything like that so that we can uh, do the drawing. So we'll send those out soon. And yeah. Oh, amazing. Oh, so cool. I can't, we'll, we'll play it, Mariah. Yeah. We should like, yeah, I love board games. Maybe we should like stitch it or stitch it or whatever the hell it's called. Twitch, (laughs) Twitch, stitch. It is. Stitch, I think it's TikTok. Stitch, yeah, we can make <laughs> stitches of our twitches. <laughs> yes. But, but yeah. <laughs> um, today the story we're doing is Aeroflot 593. And this is one that our darling Aubrey recommended to us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Aubrey. <laughs> Aubrey is um, correct that this is a good episode for us to do. <laughs> It is one Aubrey that knows. Aubrey knows. Aubrey's Aubrey's our buddy, and and like all good buddies, they know stuff about you <laughs> that yeah. you might not know about yourself. But <laughs> um, but it is one I've been putting off, so we're doing it. It's happening. So excited! Happy Thanksgiving! Here we yeah. go. <laughs> um, so uh, Aeroflot five nine three. Uh, we are going back to uh, the newly created uh, Russia post. Soviet Russia, 1994. Um, so the USSR completely dissolved in 1991. And so we are not that far off from that time. Uh, Still pretty fresh. Very fresh. Very, we're very much in a time of uh, change and yeah. upheaval. And, you know, just it's very hard to imagine. It's very, very, very hard to imagine what this time was like. And when I have talked to folks um, who lived through this time, um, particularly in Russia, I mean, it's it's very hard to imagine. It's crazy. So uh, we've got a so as part uh, during the Soviet era, uh, Aeroflot existed. It was the national airline of the USSR of Russia, and uh, being the national airline. They flew Soviet-era planes, you know what I mean? They flew planes that were made by and for uh, Soviet people. There's like a hair, I'm like using, I don't have a pop filter, so I'm using a mask. But there's like a hair stuck in the mask, I'm dying. (laughs) But, um, so they flew, you know, glorious Soviet planes, and obviously there are going to be some differences, right? Just like... I mean, the Soviets built, there's like a, a, this period of time where there's all this like parallel invention, you know what I mean? Because uh, even if the U.S. and uh, the Soviets are spying on each other, the truth is, is that by and large, they are trying to really create the same thing at the same time that the other one is, right? So the Soviets are um, building, you know, their own 
bigger, better aircraft. The U.S. is building bigger, better aircraft on and on, you know, the parallel space race where you're not sharing information. You're both figuring it out independently plus spying. <laughs> and mm. um, yeah, so those Soviet aircraft are obviously still around. They're still flying some of them to this day, just like uh, there's a ton of Soviet stuff still around. Like, yeah. So, um, but Aeroflot is the, you know, the national airline and they want to get some, you know, big, beautiful new planes and they decide to get a fleet of Airbus 310s, which at the time were, you know, brand new aircraft seats, like 220 people in that range. And uh, so it's a big plane. It's a beautiful plane. And it is a plane that has a what's called sometimes a fly-by-wire system. Today, that's something that we just think of as like normal. That's what planes are like, right? But what that means is it's a system where uh, a lot of the controls are electronic and they are uh, connected to the autopilot system. So basically, it means that the plane can do a lot of things that pilots used to have to do by themselves, right? Hmm. So, uh, like, I think the exact, what is it, I wrote it down, a fly-by-wire system replaces manual flight controls with electronic controls and interface and allows computers to manipulate the plane and uh, increases the capabilities of the autopilot. So, yeah, it's the future. It's 1994. We have these, you know, beautiful new planes and they do stuff for us that we used to have to do for ourselves. Hmm. So, um, but but those are two different ways that these aircraft are going to be unfamiliar to the pilots, right? A, they are fundamentally different because they are Western-style planes, right? They are just going to be different in, you know, a, a myriad small and big ways from the aircraft that they were used to flying, and it has all of this new automation, right? So uh, on our plane today, we're flying from Moscow to Hong Kong, uh, which is a nice long, like, 10-hour flight. We've only got 75 souls on board, uh, 63 passengers, half of whom are actually Aeroflot crew or family, hmm. and uh, 10 crew members, three pilots and uh, 12, no, three pilots and nine flight attendants. So at this time, Aeroflot had a policy where uh, the family of crew could fly internationally once a year which is um, way worse than what any airline is offering today. But, um, yeah. you know, at the time that I assume it was like positive space, like you're, it's like an actual ticket. You get to fly, you don't have to fly standby and do all of that. But, uh, and on this day, uh, March 22nd, 1994, uh, we have uh, Captain Andre Forty. Uh, he's flying the plane. We've got Igor. He's the first officer. He's 33. Igor. Igor, I know. What a great Wouldn't name. Do. Would not be a Russian story without an Igor. <laughs> right. And uh, our relief captain named Yaroslav. And uh, it's his name's Yaroslav Kudrinsky. He's 39. So he, again, to be clear, is a captain. He is the relief captain. So our boy Igor is going to have to fly the whole 10 hours. But Andre and Yaroslav are going to switch off because it's such a long flight. So uh, the uh, Yaroslav, right, he has brought his son and his daughter on board the plane. Oh, yeah. So sweet. Right. So oh. his uh, best uh, friend is uh, like an old family friend who's also a pilot for Aeroflot has brought his daughter. So his friend's name is uh, Victor. So another solid Great. Good old, good old Russian name. Right? So Victor has uh, his daughter on the plane, and he is sitting with uh, Yaroslav's fifteen-year-old uh, son and thirteen-year-old daughter. Are those their ages? I don't know. I, it seems <laughs> like it seems like there's a variety of opinions on how old they were exactly. Um, but how they're they're kids. They're you yeah. know the son is somewhere between fourteen and sixteen. The daughter somewhere between like eleven and thirteen. And uh, the daughter's name is Yana, and the son's name is Eldar. And they're sitting back there, you know, with their uncle, basically a family friend, and uh, they're gonna go to Hong Kong with their dad, who's flying the plane. Aww. Like this is so sweet. Yeah. 
Uh, and they're not the only ones. Again, this plane, half the people on the plane are other people doing the same thing. And it's a really empty flight, which is cool. This flight is like only less than a third full. So it's like a big, wow. huge, big new plane, empty, lots of seats. And it's mostly employees, right? So this yeah. is just going to Hong Kong. That's cool, right? right. Hong Kong 1994. They, yeah. Would they do that today, though? Like, fly that small, like the, not occupied? Yeah. Yeah. So that plane has to be there for something, right? Oh, so right. that they need the plane. So maybe there's, you know, a totally packed plate coming back from Hong Kong to Russia. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe they need the pilots to fly. Maybe that plane has to go onward from like Hong Kong to somewhere else. Maybe the pilots need to be there. There's like, they kind of got to like set it and forget it. They can't, it's not like dynamic right. enough for them to cancel just because there's not a lot of people unless okay. Everything goes to hell. Like if there's like a horrible day where everything's messed up, then they might start to like cancel flights if they can, if they're not that full, like they might mm -hmm. try to finagle if everything's a mess, but uh, by and large, they'll still, they'll, they'll run it. So okay. yeah, it's comfy. We, the plane's name, by the way, you know, like it's fun when planes have names. This plane is Glinka. So, oh, okay. So Glinka is getting ready to fly to Toronto. Or nope, not to Toronto, to Hong Kong. <laughs> the Toronto of Asia. But yes, um, the plane boards up. Nothing's that weird. Super empty, super light, straight flight. This is a brand new plane with like all these new systems. Um, it's very, very cool. Our pilots don't, it, they don't have like loads of experience on this aircraft, but they have like a few hundred each. Like Igor has like 800 uh yaroslav has like you know 800 the captain uh has like andre has 900 like they're not super experienced but it's not the first time they've flown these planes and yeah. uh we're rolling we're going we're all gonna have a good time in hong kong 4 p.m local time they take off from uh, moscow and uh head east for hong kong so many notes <laughs> Um, and everything's normal. Brand new plane. There's nothing wrong, right? Nice right. empty flight. People, you know, have their lunch, whatever, have a, you know, play, read the newspaper, you know, whatever it is. Whatever they're doing in 1994. Whatever they're doing in 1994. <laughs> maybe trying to, maybe they have one of those like little, uh, translation dictionaries or trying to yeah. bone up on their Chinese. Who knows? Yeah, so there you go. they, uh, about four hours into the flight, Captain Andre went on his rest break. So he's done. He's going to go back, uh, you know, take a seat, lay down, read his own newspaper, whatever he's going to do. And um, Yaroslav and Igor are now flying the plane together. So Igor is, again, still the first officer. Um, and Yaroslav is now the acting captain on board the plane. And Vladimir has, oh my gosh, I said his name wrong. So Vladimir, <laughs> not Victor. Vladimir is their buddy. Oh, it's Vladimir. Pilot. Vladimir, much more, okay. much better. Vladimir is the pilot who is their buddy. He's not flying today. He's just flying right. as a passenger. He's got his daughter and then um, Eldar and Yana in the back. And Vladimir must have like seen like, oh, okay. Andre is not flying the plane. He's on rest. So let's bring the kids out. Let's let them see their dad flying the plane. So yeah. they, you know, this is way pre 9-11. Uh, they work for the airline. And uh, Vladimir tells Yana and uh, Eldar, like, come on, let's go visit your dad. And they knock on the door, come in, surprise, you know, and their dad is so excited to see them. Oh. You know, this is their first international trip. The kids have obviously flown before, but they've never flown internationally. They've never gone somewhere like so big with their dad, like. They're going with their, you know, buddy. Like, this is just a really, really fun time. And now they're going to actually see him flying the plane. Uh, now, it's totally dark out. Um, so even though they left, so it's now, uh, like, relative to um, Moscow time, it's only, like, 8, 8.30. Mm -hmm. But um, they've also been flying east so it's like the middle of the night so when they look out there's really nothing to see out the you know windows or windshield in the cockpit but mm -hmm. it's 
still, it's like a brand new system with like, you know, all electronic interface, you know, everything's lit up. I mean, it's really exciting, right? It's really, really exciting. And uh, Yaroslav is excited. He chats with his kids. They're all having, you know, like having a nice little chat. And um, a few minutes in, Yaroslav is like, hey, Yana, do you want to fly the plane? Normally I'd be like, yes, that's cute as hell, but Right. Seeing as we are called the pod crashed. Yeah. It's not great. So um, this, everything up until this point has been super normal, right? Um, passengers who are not even related to anybody uh, can used to be able to come and, you know, say hi to the pilots. Um, kids especially, right? Like having kids come up. And there's a joke about it actually in the office Dwight makes a joke about how he flew a plane while it was in the air right in the office so I yes I can quote the whole thing so (laughs) you know but that it used to be a thing where you know you would come up and visit but this is where if you poll pilots they're even at this time they're gonna be like uh uh wait what (laughs) you know maybe don't do that that seems like a lot um, but whatever, everybody's feeling good, right? This is, you know, and again, this is like a highly automated aircraft, right? So they have the autopilot on this particular autopilot. They actually programmed in the entire flight from start to finish before they mm-hmm. even took off. So every waypoint, every time they're going to have to turn for the entire 10-hour flight, the whole thing is in there from start to finish. So there's, uh, that's called the like nav system the navigation system so uh while it's in like the nav setting the plane is gonna do all that stuff on its own right so uh he hops out of his captain's seat um maybe you've seen this on tv or maybe you're just aware of this you know for other reasons but the um like it's it's always really important to know who is in command of the plane, who is flying flying the plane. So saying like, I have control or you have control, like, and both pilots are supposed to agree. So like, if you take control of the plane, like in flights that we've talked about where something goes wrong and the captain takes over control of the plane from the first officer, he will literally say like, I have control. And the first officer is supposed to say, you have control, like verbally affirm that, right? That Mm -hmm. everybody knows who's in control of the plane. Um, Yaroslav had been in control of the plane. Now, I think that the way they were thinking of it, like it, to a certain extent, the autopilot has control of the plane. Control of the plane. But no, Yaroslav has control of the plane. He's the captain. He is controlling the flight. And he doesn't like say, okay, Igor, like, yes, this is fun. My daughter is like flying the plane, but she's not flying the plane because she's a little girl. Uh, You know, you have control of the plane. They didn't say anything like that. This was really like, you know, loose. And um, so he hops out, Yana hops into the seat and is, you know, flying the plane, right? Which is really cutesy. Um, You know, Vladimir has a camera up there and he's like taking pictures of her, like taking pictures of everybody up there in the cockpit. It's, it's cute. It's fun. And nobody, no human is in control of the plane right now. So Yana is like, you know, just holding the controls basically. And uh, um, Yaroslav wants to, you know, give her the impression like she's flying the plane. So he switches the autopilot from nav mode to heading mode. And what that means is he switched it from the mode where the autopilot will follow that prescribed route that was put into the plane at the beginning of the flight. He switches it to heading, which is where they type in a heading, meaning like a direction, and the plane will find that direction. So he switches it to heading mode and he just types in a heading that's like 10 degrees to the right. So just a little shoop to make her feel like she's flying the plane, right? So uh, he types that in. She like, you know, feels the controls move and she kind of like, kind of like Ouija board rules, right? She kind of moves with it, feels like she's flying the plane, has a good time. She uh, like flies the plane for like eight minutes, for like a long time. She's just, you know kind of, you know, just there, you know, kind of 
not really being the one to move the controls, but feeling like she is. And um, her father puts it back into nav mode. The plane recorrects back to its original route. And now it's Eldar's turn. So uh, Yana hops out of the seat. Eldar, who is around 15, hops into the captain's seat. And now it's his turn to fly the plane. Just like he did um, for Yana, he types it into um, heading mode and types in a heading um, that's like a slight turn to the left. So he boop, boop, boops in and he actually tells his son, you know, go like, you know, fly the plane left a little bit. His son's older. He wants to like, you know, do a little bit more to give his son the impression that he's flying the plane. Right. So boop, boop, boop. Eldar uh, like turns the plane to the left. The plane goes off its pre-programmed route. It's in heading mode. And there's like a slight bank to the left. So the plane, you know, turns uh, like uh, right wing now, down, left wing up, like a little bank. Uh, then he, uh, Yaroslav, puts it back into nav mode, just like he did for his daughter, and told his son, okay, now go back to the right. Now the plane is in nav mode. Because the plane itself, the computer of the plane, is controlling the direction, right? Because the plane is um, actually flying itself, right? The column, the controls, are stiff, right? Mm. They're not loose because they're not meant to be manipulated by a person. So the controls went from being um, much more malleable to very stiff. And Eldar... Uh, is aware that he notices that now the controls are stiff and he thinks he's you know supposed to be flying the plane back under the heading he's supposed to be flying it to the left to correct and so he pushes harder because it's it's stiffer so he applies more pressure and when he does that he applies so much pressure that it uh the automatic system in the plane that believes a pilot is sitting in that seat and believes that the pilot is trying to control the plane and do something different than what the autopilot is doing. Says like, okay, you're the boss and clicks off. So it doesn't completely disengage, but the portion that controls the ailerons disengages. And remember, ailerons are those little flappy flaps on the wings that control the bank angle, right? Mm -hmm. How high or low either wing either wing is. So that aileron portion of the autopilot disengages. Now, on a glorious Mother Russia USSR plane, if that happens, there would be an audible sound. It would make make a sound that the pilots could hear to warn them that that had happened. On this aircraft, on the Airbus 310, there is no audible sound. It is just an indicator light that comes on. And it's small, and no one is looking for it. And right now, there are three pilots and two kids in the cockpit, and everybody's having a good time, and nobody notices it. So the system in the plane that controls the bank angle has on off at the same time that Aldar is applying more pressure and pushing the plane into a sharper left turn mm-hmm. at this same time Yana appears to be asking so when I was reading about this like people were saying like Yana was distracting her father and like from what I read in the transcript like that's an accurate statement but it looks it's hard to hear what Yana is actually saying but according to like if I'm like just paying attention to what her dad is saying back to her I'm pretty sure Yana is just asking if she can go sit in first class okay that's what Yana seems to be asking Yana's you know a sweet girl and she's passed first class to get here and now she's like hey can I go sit in first class plane's empty I get it Yana I get it (laughs) and so because her dad is saying back to her like no you can't go to first class so we'll get fired like no no you know he's (laughs) He's, you know, getting ready to send her back to her seat anyway. And get fired for that, but not like flying the plane. I know. So uh, that probably there's probably some truth to that, <laughs> right? So he's talking to Yana, so he doesn't notice that the plane has started to bank to the left. Nobody noticed the light come on. The autopilot is still controlling the pitch 
and yaw. So mm-hmm. most of the systems are still in place. Because it's controlling the pitch and yaw, the plane is still focusing on trying to keep the plane in level flight, right? Mm-hmm. But it's starting to turn to the left and bank more and more and more to the left. And finally, somebody notices, hey, we're like tipping over basically, right? And they don't know that any part of the autopilot has shut off. They do not know. And the plane has been switched from uh, heading mode back into nav mode, which means that they believe that the plane is uh, following that pre-prescribed route, Right. Mm -hmm. So when the plane is banking and it has banked so far now that it's putting the plane into a configuration that would put it at a 180 degree turn, which is what a plane would do if it was in a holding pattern. So uh, they start to talk and they're like, why is the plane going into a holding pattern? Right. It seems like a mistake. You know, did the did we, you know, put the wrong like button in like what's going on? And uh, for nine seconds for nine seconds less time than it has taken me to finish this sentence (laughs) they're confused and in that nine seconds the plane keeps banking more and more and more no nine seconds is a long time it's a long time and the plane until the plane is at such a sharp angle the right wing is so high and the left wing is so low that it starts to cut down remember we've talked about that so the plane can while it's flying in level flight there's lift right there's air flowing under and over the wings keeping the plane elevated once the plane tilts too far to the side it's just a knife right and it just slices down so all at once the plane starts to just drop in altitude left wing down right wing up as the plane starts to slice down at high speed the g-forces press everybody back right so the g-force hits everyone's body presses everybody back into their seats or into the wall depending on where they're standing so now the plane is falling out of the sky and the only person with hands on the controls is Eldar and everybody else physically cannot move. Igor didn't have his hands on the control and because of the G-force, his arms are literally too heavy to lift up and put them onto the controls. So now everyone starts screaming at Eldar, right? And unfortunately, in the confusion, people are screaming different things at him. And Eldar is a little boy and does not know how to do what they're saying anyway. His father is screaming to turn right. The uh, Igor is saying go left. And his father starts to say, hold the, hold the controls, hold the controls, hold the column, hold the column. Now, Mariah, if I told you, hold the column, what would you think that that meant? Like, what, if you, you've got the column in your hand, if I say, hold it, hold the column, what would you do? Just do anything. Exactly. Exactly. And that appears to be exactly what Eldar thought. Now, what he actually means is like steady the plane, hold the column, meaning basically bring the column back into like a neutral position Mm. by steadying the plane. But Eldar doesn't know that. Eldar has no idea. So he uh, holds the column still, which means holding it in that left or that slight left turn. It's Mm. pitch black. It's midnight the plane is it, there's no visual reference points at all they're just tumbling out of the sky at high speed igor finally and i cannot imagine the strength that it took with not just the fear and panic but again the physical strength that it would take to move your body at all under these circumstances igor is able to lift his arms up and get a hold of his control column and he pulls back on the column to try to lift the plane up. He tries to steady it and lift it up and like hits the throttles to try to, you know, give the plane as much power as he can. In doing that, for about one second, he steadies the plane, but he overcorrected and the nose of the plane shoots straight up, no. goes up ever so slightly. And you know exactly what's going to happen. It stalls in that instant. Like, and again, these are. These are actually good pilots. That's the truth. These are good pilots who are waiting for their moment to be able to move. So in that brief second where the plane went from just falling out of the sky, all of those forces on their bodies 
pushing them and, and stapling them to their wall, right? Uh, as soon as that switched, as soon as that pressure was relieved, uh, Yaroslav, I imagine, just ripped his son out of the seat and hopped yeah. into the seat. So now he is back in the chair. Uh, Eldar doesn't leave, though. Eldar, Eldar stays. And they, as they're pulling the nose of the plane back, as they're applying throttles, it doesn't matter. And the plane goes nose up and then starts to fall out of the sky again. This time it spins and flips over until it's nose down. Everyone is... Yaroslav is screaming at Eldar, like, get out, go back to your seat, get out, get out, get out. Like, just, you know, trying so hard to get his son to leave. And, like, his son, I don't know, and I'll never know, but Eldar doesn't leave. Eldar stays there, even as his dad is yelling for him to get out of there. Maybe he can't move. Maybe he's terrified. Maybe he just wants so badly to, to wait and see if it's okay. I think about people who who like accidentally hurt another person, accidentally yeah. injure another person and how they just kind of freeze and watch because you're just hoping it's going to be okay. Like you just yeah. want to see the problem get fixed. Uh, Igor and Yaroslav fight with the plane desperately. They, they, they are trying to communicate back and forth. They're trying, they, the plane, because it's going down, because it's descending, it's going faster and faster and faster and faster. But they can't, they have no spatial awareness. There's no visual mm-hmm. reference point. They can't figure out how to get their plane level. So they fight with it, fight with it, fight with it. As it's diving, it starts to spin. As they fight with it, oh they God. tried it. They're trying to slow it down at the same time that they're trying to regain control and they're looking you know all of their different you know things that are telling them all of their you know electronic interfaces which again they're professional pilots they've flown these planes for a long time they've definitely never flown them in these circumstances this has all happened unbelievably fast we're like 45 seconds out from the original problem for the first time they noticed anything was wrong they they uh, need power to lift the plane up to get out of the dive, but they're going way, way, way too fast. And they actually, finally, as they're falling, they start to steady the plane. And Yaroslav says, okay, gently pull up. Gently, gently, gently. They're steady. They're starting to lift the plane up. But it's too late. No. They've lost so much altitude at this point. They've actually fallen into a slight valley. And it's totally pitch black outside. They can't see anything. They level out the plane. And they crash. Oh, my God. Everyone is killed instantly. Oh, no. I know. (laughs) That is terrible. That is really terrible. This is why I've like had a hard time getting to this one. Oh my gosh. Oh, when there were no distress calls at any point, uh, the flight attendants on the plane were good. And in that 45 seconds where there was no information coming from the cockpit, where they must have at some point seen a, a young girl run out of the cockpit, where there's no direction, they don't know what's wrong or why, but everybody was found in their seats, buckled, and had clearly been prepared for an emergency landing. So in the midst of all of this, there are flight attendants back there as the plane is flipping upside down, as those G-forces are undoubtedly pinning the flight attendants wherever they were. The flight attendants must have been like giving everyone directions and trying to do what they could with what they knew. When they first found the planes, there'd been no distress call of any kind. There's, you know, nothing. Igor had actually communicated briefly with air traffic control while Yana was flying the plane. So, like, so during that time where the plane wasn't being flown by an adult pilot, they they had heard, like, yeah, everything's good. So, so when they arrived there, the first thing that was weird, besides the fact that this plane seems to have just fallen out of the sky and crashed, was that Eldar was in the cockpit. 
Oh my gosh. And when they listened to the uh, so they listened to the the CVR, which is available. This is one of those that you can hear the CVR and have you um, listened to it? Yeah. There is always I think about that like the the language barrier and how that like mm-hmm. has its own like interference I guess because you're reading a translation of it so like the, there's the right. whole part where where Yaroslav is like yelling at Eldar to like go back to his seat and I I guess again this is all happening so 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 fast I just think about them like in that moment like Yaroslav just wanting I'm sure A wanting his son to get buckled right but also B just like that desire to kind of like like just undo it right like undo it like go back to your seat like back to where you belong like don't be in here and oh it makes me so sick yeah because it's it's I mean it's really like like we've all been in those situations I mean we've all you know been I don't know like with a parent or a family member or you know like a parent's friend or something where we do something that's super cool we're not supposed to do it yep and you know nine 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 times out of ten it's fine yeah I and like I don't I don't fault him. I mean, it's not great having your kids fly a plane that other people no, are on. Don't But you do can that. see how it would happen. And I think yes. about like Vla- Vladimir, the friend who is a pilot, who just would thought it'd be like cute to bring the kids up to like say hi to their dad. And then yeah. like, and it's an yeah. empty plane. And oh, gosh, yeah. like it's so innocent until it's like an extremely dangerous situation. Well, and that's so in the in the um, report, in the investigation, right? So there was the very, very, very top line, obvious cause of this accident, which is that there wasn't a pilot flying the plane. There was right. a kid in that seat, right? So oh, that is God. true. But the other things that went into it are um, like, A, their unfamiliarity with this plane, right, with this kind of aircraft, with this kind of interface, and the fact that there wasn't, like, because that one little thing, I mean, one of the things that's so awful when there's something that's devastatingly wrong with a plane, right, when we've done, like, stories about aircraft where something actually goes wrong with the aircraft itself, you know, then all of a sudden you have, like, a million alarms beeping at you, right, and your brain cannot take in all that information or pick what's the most important or anything, you know what I mean? that it can be very confusing too many alarms too many sounds but at the same time like they expected there to be an audible sound when the autopilot or when any part of the autopilot clicked off that was the aircraft that they were used to flying had that feature so i can imagine if broadly speaking soviet aircraft relied more heavily on audible warnings mm-hmm. right and if they weren't as used to a looking at an electronic interface in the first place but then b like looking for those warning signs right, right. and and so they didn't notice it they started it started off with something that was yeah like definitely like a big fat stretch you know what i mean like yeah. really like yeah like poor judgment right just say it like that and a lot of us show poor judgment all the time and a lot of us show poor judgment when you're in a more relaxed environment like that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like half the it's a really empty flight half the people are our staff anyway your buddy and his daughter like vladimir's daughter was on the plane too and like oh and they're you know you're just but then the so one of the causes that they mentioned was specifically just the pilots were not familiar with this kind of aircraft right plain and simple um and another thing that they mentioned so okay when this story is told right when um like our girl aubrey you know um uh mentioned that she found out about this from uh like social media and um because apparently this is one that's been i know i advertise the tiktok all the time but i don't use tiktok (laughs) but um you know this is an interesting story it is very attention grabbing right it's shocking that this happened but 
pretty much every time this story is told, there's like this piece where they'll say that if the pilots had just like let go of the controls, that the autopilot could have corrected, that this was a plane that had the ability to like self-correct and that the um that they were basically fighting against the autopilot and that that's where they crashed right and so um disaster breakdown is a channel on youtube um like it's it's very interesting he does you know very in-depth a lot of research right um and i definitely used his research in this so definitely check him out um Yes, like it's always. I feel funny sometimes, like advertising much bigger channels than us. But that's you know. I mean, yeah. hey, yeah, set your sources, right? Yeah. But he specifically talks about this, where he says this this idea that all the pilots had to do was let go of the controls and the plane would have self corrected comes up over and over and over again. But there's just no reason to think that that's true, and mm-hmm. the a just because the autopilot had disconnected by this time. Right. And maybe they're saying if they had let go of the controls much earlier, but the whole entire problem was that the autopilot first disconnected, controlled the ailerons, and then disconnected completely. That was the problem. Mm, so right. there's not any. Re- so, yeah, like if if Eldar had let go of the controls before he accidentally pushed it too far and disconnected the ailerons, that. Yes, at that point it would have, but as they're like fighting with the aircraft, they would not, no, it would not have done any such thing. If they had let go of the controls, the plane would have crashed into the ground at at like Mach 3, you know what I mean? That just isn't true. What's interesting is it appears in the Wikipedia article for this, they have that line and they just have like the citation needed like bubble on it, and which is like, interesting and um according to the guy on disaster break breakdown he said that he thinks that that idea comes from a documentary that came out out about this flight in 2005 i think he said but he said that they that there's nothing about that previous to 2005 and again there just isn't any reason it doesn't make it doesn't make sense because the autopilot had already disconnected. So if you've heard that, um, maybe it's true and I'm just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't, I, I, my like limited understanding and my like deference to um, disaster breakdown, because he definitely did a lot of research on it, um, yeah. makes me think that that's not the case. I don't know if that's better or worse. It's, it's just right. sad either way. Yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, there. I don't think there could be a better or worse in this situation. Right. right. Wow. I mean, so like, sad. I don't know. Just thinking two things. Like, first, those last moments, horrifying. Like, oh. just uh, always, of course, on every plane crash. But, you know, oh. just, like, especially being the 15-year-old, like, you're fine and happy and then all of a sudden you're getting at and you're realizing that shit's really bad like you know and i don't know just like being so terrified for the last 45 seconds of your life yeah i just can't imagine and the amount of adrenaline that's running through their bodies like that's probably why the one pilot was able to like fight the g-force right like yeah just yeah. that adrenaline. I mean, you hear stories like lifting cars off of their kids, like in car crashes and stuff like that. Yeah. It it is like that level of like exertion, right? right. Like your body, your your arms just like your body just doesn't work. And right. Uh, and and like just that amount of force, I just can't even imagine like right. the panic, you know, something's happening that clearly you think you can fix and you physically can't move. Yeah, imagine imagine being a pilot in right. the cockpit and um you can see everything. You can see that you're you know you're falling out of the sky and your arms are pinned to your side. You're like paralyzed. Yeah. yeah. Just how terrifying that would be. Right. Oh, uh, and imagine being cuz like I'm like in stories like this I tend to like think I guess in stories of like I don't have kids, right? But I was a kid recently (laughs) and so recently enough and the um like the 
when I think about stories like this, I tend to like, yeah, easily. I, I imagine it from like Elgar's perspective, just how horrifying yeah. it would be. Like, again, like you're just doing something fun and then all of a sudden stuff is going wrong and people are yelling at you and you don't know what they mean. And then like, and then your dad is like telling you to get out of there, but you don't know if like it's going to be okay. Like right. I think about that, but then I do like increasingly think about it. Like I'm not a parent, but like as a parent, like this I've been up here for Thanksgiving and I've gotten to spend a lot of times with, you know, all of the many babies that my friends have and my, yeah. my family, you know, and just imagining like you feel responsible, like utterly responsible, not like he's a, he's the captain of the plane at that moment. And so he's responsible right. for the plane, but also like the responsibility you have for your family and the idea that yeah. you don't want to like, you don't want to put your son in that position. You don't want to crash a plane that your two no. kids are on. And like, right. Oh, well, oh. that's the other thing too. I was thinking like during this story, I can't imagine being their families no. and just like, you know, that stereotypical male, female, like, I don't know what their home, but just thinking like, if he had a wife and those like, he kids, did. Yeah. yeah kids had a mom. Wife. Like, right. I, right. I, I would like, just oh. the i don't oh know like gosh. that stereotypical like ability to a like stupid dad or stupid husband doing this very dangerous thing you know like mm. i think about i think about um like uh your husband's father that was a lot of like my growing up because i for our newer listeners i grew up with casey's husband and it was the best time of our lives without a doubt like you know but it <laughs> mm -hmm. was like he was doing something stupid with the kids and the the women would be like you're an idiot like why are you doing this oh no and i just right I just, oh like, right the like uh, anger because you've lost your yes you lost your so much anger. and both of your kids right like anger and sadness and grief and horror yes. and loss like and you can't like death is just that like brutal just dropped curtain i don't know what else to call it like you just there's it's yeah. you can't it's impenetrable you can't ask any of your questions you no, can't right. check on no it's horrible it's horrible like come to peace with that with no closure at all of it's, just like you know ugh. that your husband bad decision right before and it killed him and, and your kids like i ugh. i cannot imagine what that was like for her and just I, I don't know. And again, pity. like, especially if you do, uh, I think it's really, really, really easy to imagine why someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the other piece of it is that like, it's really easy to imagine like how this could happen. And again, yep. especially like in this time and place, like, you know what I like about Eastern Europe? it's a little loosey-goosey that's one of the right. things yeah. i really like about it that's my right. way you know well, i just think if they would have lived yeah. that's an amazing story yeah right. when i was 15 my dad let me fly a plane like right it's, it's the, you know uh, like it should be an innocent story right the pictures like they did like that was like vladimir was taking pictures and so like there are photos of like the kids in the cockpit and like mm. everybody having a good time and those pictures i've never seen them online i don't think that they're out there but they exist and like yeah. i wonder if like yeah if like oh uh, if like their mom saw those pictures oh, like gosh. the last pictures of her family oh my gosh it's right it's horrible it's horrible. Yeah. I know. But <sighs> I did think that like that um I guess like the myth of that idea that they could have just let go of the of the controls. Mm. I think about like probably somewhere somebody is like telling that story in an inspirational way like yeah. okay have you ever heard somebody use the metaphor of like like if like people drowning but they have a life vest on and you're like thrashing and thrashing and thrashing and if you just like stop swimming like stop thrashing then the yeah. you know the the life vest will pull you up to the top you know and that yes like that metaphor in that metaphor it's true and i actually think i've heard people use this story and with that i think false idea that they could have just let go of the controls and the autopilot would have saved them yeah in that same way 
And I get the appeal of that, but what's so funny to me about that is that people like walking around that the general public puts that much faith in the autopilot systems, that that's a believable story, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And and that is exactly like, that's part of the problem, part of what what went wrong here. And part of what's gone wrong in other stories we've told is over-reliance on automation. And then sometimes Mm -hmm. it's exactly the opposite. They don't trust the autopilot and that's what causes i mean airbus i know that um our dear buddy tim from fs mania always be plugging other people's shows but he um spoke about this i think maybe in our group hangout i don't remember but um just that airbus and boeing right they're like the main competitors and boeing tends to lean toward giving the pilots more control and Airbus leans toward more automation and um, just how, you know, philosophically it's a different approach. I guess I would just say it like that. Yeah. But yeah. um, My goodness. Well, that's a terribly sad story, but needs to be told. Thank you, Aubrey, for the suggestion. Yes, thank you, Aubrey. And others, other of you have like sent us suggestions. I don't want you to think that I'm abandoning them. (laughs) Some of them are ones that are like, I don't know. I'm definitely guilty of like keeping some like special stories on the shelf. (laughs) And, um, or, um, well, it's like true crime podcasts. You don't do like, you know, Ted Bundy for the first year. You know, you can't. You can't. No, you just you gotta. You can't. Or maybe I don't know. I know we've gotten the advice before that if um that we should do more famous ones because people will actually listen to them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, guys. We don't know what we're doing. Solid listener base with our uh, our obscure flights. I mean, there's only so many are so many planes that have crashed. I know. I know. I'm so afraid of stories. I am afraid of, of running out. And like everyone tells me, like, you will not run out. It does not work that way. But I yeah. don't know. I, maybe I'm like a hoarder. I can't tell. <laughs> but I just can't use them up. We're going to have to have but an intervention. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to find. There was a podcast that I wanted to share with everybody. Yes. Okay. This is it. Okay. Oh, I do have a fact, but I did want to tell you specifically and our amazing listeners about a podcast that uh, Ty and I listened to on the way drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still going on, I believe. I don't think we listened to the whole thing. Um, it's called Hooked. It's an Apple original. This is not an ad. I just really like this, this spot. But it's about this um, guy who was an engineer for Boeing and um. he had a like very long story story drug issues. I won't get into exactly why, cause it's kind of spoiler, but um, he had some drug issues and decided he was going to uh, rob banks because being an engineer at Boeing was not feeding his habit well enough if you can imagine that. Oh my gosh. And so he started to rob banks in his, in his area. And he, this is like not a spoiler. It's in the description or whatever. He robbed 30 banks in here in like within a 30 mile radius of his home. Holy cow. Bro. All while working at, or like he started robbing banks while he was working at Boeing. He was very good at robbing <laughs> banks. Yeah, he was very, very good at robbing banks. How recently? Do you know, like, what time um, period? 2014, he was arrested. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. One of um, Boeing's top design engineers. Wow. Yeah, and he, like, it's a, it goes into the whole thing. And I, I don't want to spoil it in case anyone wants yeah. to listen, but I highly, highly recommend it. Um. He sounds was like a, a remarkable man. Oh my gosh. And he like is in the pot. Like he is, he's in every episode of the podcast. They're basically just interviewing him while telling the story. Um, and it's a very, very moving story. It's very emotional. It's both like you feel for him, but also you're angry. Like 
dude, you were on drugs and you're a friggin' engineer at Boeing. Like, let's maybe not do that, I, you know? Drugs come for all of us, though, man. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But oh, I, I know. Mean, like, I, in I'm terms asking. of safety. <laughs> no, I guess you're Maybe don't. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> no, I, I get I, it. I, I totally understand that whole, no, whole no, point, no. especially I'm... because for his story specifically, it's a very, very... It, it is that piece that drugs come for everybody. And that's like right. such an important story to tell because I think, you know, a lot of times like it's, you know, like just very taboo. It's you're, you know, obviously clearly you have a lot of things wrong. And for him, I mean, he was, he was a design engineer at Boeing and fell into this thing. Um, that was really not his own fault. And so it's a very, like, it's a very good podcast. And I, encourage everyone to listen to it yeah that sounds um, cool yeah funny because i don't know it's every time there's like a plane thing in my life now i just <laughs> i i get excited yeah. and also all of horrified. my like, yeah and horrified <laughs> yeah like, all of my yeah. friends and family send me all the bang stuff like it's just very <laughs> funny yes love uh, it oh so that's yeah cool. I, I highly recommend that yeah okay so now on to our fact for today fact two fact Fact one (laughs) fact Fact number one there are podcasts in the world (laughs) um fact number two is you lose up to 30 percent of your taste buds during flight what yep which is why from the elevation yeah oh um it like has detrimental effect on your ability to taste things. Apparently Um, there was a a German physics like Institute who did a study Mm -hmm. um, about the dryness that you experience in your mouth, like at high elevation and and low pressure. And it just like, for whatever reason reduces like the sensitivity of people's taste buds. So they can't taste sweet or salty things, which is like theoretically why, people think airplane food is so bad and it's actually not mm. bad it's just like you physically you can't, can't taste, taste it yeah yeah um uh, and it also uh, like in it hinders your ability to smell which also hinders your ability to taste so on and so forth so okay yeah, yeah. oh mariah you know all about losing your sense of smell and taste I do. no but covid covid got me guys still no taste still no taste still mm. no i will say i have been smelling a few things here up huh? here in buff really? no taste no taste yet but i've definitely smelled a few things huh i so, hope that that keeps up i do too i hope that that keeps up yeah the yeah. um i love airplane food yeah i love any food that comes yeah. in like little like a little tray like, yeah. or a little little like, like pre-packaged any of it oh my yeah. gosh i wanted tv <laughs> dinners when i was a kid so badly and um, we never yeah, got them never never, never, never. or like what are they I, as an adult when i was like maybe 19 i like got a tv dinner once just because i was like i am a grown-up i'm yes. 19 years old i'm going to eat this hungry man dinner <laughs> yeah it was like, like a, it was but cuisine. i don't eat Right, but I don't eat meat and I don't right. eat mashed potatoes. So it's just like I but I'm so gonna see the frozen corn. Yeah. Oh god. But uh, the um yeah, that and like anything, anything. Hospital food, I don't care. Any food that comes in like many little packages. Oh, yeah. I, I've watched sometimes those like um what are they called? M M wrap? What are the meals ready to eat? What are the um the meals that they give people when they're on deployment? Oh, MRAP? MRAP? Meal ready to eat. I don't know. <laughs> Meal, whatever they're called. Oh, we're going to get busted. We're going to get not there. Knowing this. But MRAP. In the military specifically? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like they give you these little, maybe you haven't seen them before. They're like these little packages and they have like an entire meal in them but they have like everything so they have like yeah. a little heating element to like heat up your food and stuff like they try to make them nice because if you're eating one of those then you must be you know then you're in like a 
tiny village or you're like at the top of a mountain or whatever, you know what I mean? You're in some like remote area. Um, uh, The, yeah, I just think they're really, really cool. And there's like a YouTube channel that um, where like a girl, like just people send them to her. Yes, I've seen that. Oh, love it. I want to try all of them. Yeah. If anybody has... We'll set if up a P.O. Has, box. People can send oh, us. I'll give you my address. Listen, you're just <laughs> yeah. sending that. MRE, MRE, not MRAP. MRE. I'm mixing up MRE. I'm mixing, yeah, meal ready to eat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not crazy. MRE. <laughs> but an IRAP, IRAP is irregular operations in a plane. It's like if your flight is delayed or something, that's uh, an IRAP. Gotcha. MRE is MRE. the meal they give you in the military. <laughs> MRAP is nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> we got there. We got there. So... <laughs> But if you work for an airline and you want to give me like literally your economy meal or a the little bistro boxes they used to have on United or anything, I love those little meals. Yeah. But and I will literally give you my address. I don't care if you promise me one of these. <laughs> this is my home. I live here. <laughs> but or we can get a PO box. But yeah. But honestly, yeah, you can have my address if you're sending me an MRE. <laughs> my poor mom is going to get to this part and send me a text being Hopefully like, horrified. Casey, do not, I don't, do not do this. Or Brian. Don't worry. If, this, yeah, Brian. If, if you're yeah. not hearing this, it's because Brian edited it out. Because <laughs> he lives there too. Yes. But, so right. you are not giving out our address. <sighs> but uh, the person said they would send me some, like a cheap meal <laughs> yes. for free. Yeah. But, all right. <laughs> Thank you for for sharing this this time with me. Oh, thank you. I love you. I love you. I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Yeah. Thank you. I hope that you have a wonderful wonderful holiday and that everybody has a happy Thanksgiving and I love you and I love all of you out there. You're yeah, the best. I love you. Oh, and if Thanksgiving cuz since 45% of our people are not American. Yeah. yeah that's happy fair. happy regular Thursday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, didn't we say we were gonna put this out on Friday? Whatever. Guys. Just guys, hang with us. Guys. <laughs> Life is crazy. Every once in a while I do have that thought like, why do I do this? And I'm like, <laughs> I do it because I like it. This is yeah. just what a hobby is. <laughs> yes. This is yes. what hobbies are. <laughs> yes. Like, but yeah. It's so good. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love all of you. Please remember, guys, uh, like us, share us, do whatever, follow yeah. us, do all the things. But also, um, if you if you um, donated or contributed to the Kickstarter, please, please, please uh, send us a screenshot so that we can do the drawing, and then we will send it to you, um, and it'll be a good old time. So yes. thank you for donating to that. Yeah, and seriously. Wouldn't it be so cool, guys? Seriously, think about it. Like, we it, wouldn't it be so funny if, like, in two years you're a Target and you see like the vampire on the shelf or yeah. whatever, and it's like, oh, that was the thing. Like, that's a it's good. It's gonna time. happen. It's gonna happen. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. Yeah. I don't have control over that because just you know my darling cousin <laughs> doing it, but I <laughs> I have faith. Uh, we will share faith that that yeah. will happen. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. If you noticed anything that we got wrong or you just want to get in touch with us to have a chat, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, Thank you again to just all of you. Uh, You're just the best bunch and we adore you all. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for reviewing us. Uh, If you haven't done either of those things and you want to, that would be awesome. Uh, We are coming up on a year. So if there's anything that you'd like to do, anything special that you'd like to, uh, any ideas that you'd have to celebrate that, we're all ears. Next up is our uh, weekly song uh, from a listener. This is Wish I Was a Bird by Dave Woodside. Be sure to get the link to his music in the description. Again, thank you so, so much to each and every one of you. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.
You know 